when you can take someone's life experience and put it into something that you could read in a day, that's really powerful. There's gonna be a lot of times, a lot of situations where you say something that is not intelligent. I know if I were to start a pen test, I would, I would definitely want a resource like this. Discipline, discipline is gonna keep you on that train. Who says tech can't be human? What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. You know what? We have always tried to bring on the best guests to provide value. Mm -hmm. But it's time for us to put ourselves in that hot seat and say, what are the best resources that you've ever seen right. in your cybersecurity career? Right. There are a lot of resources out there. When we got started, there were very few. There may have been a couple books maybe a website or two. But today, there's so many resources out there. And today, I think we're going to find some gold for everybody out there. Mm -hmm. Let's find the goal. I think in order to see the future, what are the best resources for cybersecurity? Mm -hmm. We have to first take a walk down memory lane yep. and share our own resources. Mm -hmm. I have some you know, technical, but also non-technical resources I'm going to share. And the first one that I'll start with is people. Mm. And I think a lot of people forget about this being a cybersecurity resource. Right. Because it's not a book, it's not a podcast, it's not something that's tangible. It's a conversation, it's it's uh, fluid. But the first start that I ever had in cybersecurity was from my uncle. My mm -hmm. uncle worked, at, he worked at the NSA, and I never could get my uncle to tell me what he did. Mm -hmm. But he would give me some ideas for how to be a better researcher. He'd be like, have you looked up this in cybersecurity? I used to want to use my Game Shark and break into PS2 games and make myself the highest ranking player and whatnot. And my uncle would give me little tips and nuggets for how to take it from being a complete noob to being a script kitty. What did he do to get you there? He told me about disassembly. So mm -hmm. up until I learned this from him that you can disassemble a program, I didn't know that there was a way to interact with the machine code that is powering a program. Yep. So in the case of uh, my PS2, there was a way for you to put your disc into your DVD slot because mm -hmm. it's just a DVD for PS2 games. And then you ec extract an ELF file. Mm -hmm. And then you take that out file and you put it into a disassembler and you can start to see at this point of the game, this is the instruction right. that's being passed to the processor. Yeah. So instead of taking a variable, you give it a number like 999,000 mm -hmm. and then that's your new score. And you, right. So you're just swapping out some artifacts in the disassembly and then adding that to your current reality. And that's what that's how GameShark worked. It, yeah. it disassembled the PS2 games and then you put in values to what you want them to change to. Mm -hmm. I remember Game Shark. I remember Game Genie. Yeah. Right? Game Genie was cool. Throwback. I'm glad that you mentioned people as like a resource because a lot of times I think people feel like they're on an island. If you had one piece of advice for someone out there about utilizing people as a resource, like what would that one piece of advice be? The piece of advice would be to start talking. Mm. There's going to be a lot of times, a lot of situations where you say something that is not intelligent. Right. Maybe you read something in a book and you say it and and you don't get the response that you're hoping for. And also, 
even though you do something that is really great and impactful, you might not get the recognition that you're hoping for. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in a perfect world, you do. You get a lot of excitement. You get a lot of collaboration from people. But other times it might be a month, a year for something that you said to someone to really click in. Mm -hmm. One of my very first mentors in cyber, his name is Marco Figueroa. I remember when I first met him, he he was asking me, like, what are you focused on in cyber? And I told him C++. Mm -hmm. And he told me that there was a book that I had to get. Mm -hmm. So I just met this guy. He seemed like a bright person. I wanted to impress him, but I also wanted to impress myself. I go out and I buy the book. Yeah. And the first thing that Marco does when I show him that I have the book is he says, great, now let me buy it from you. And he thanked me. He said that book was actually way more helpful for him. And I thought that he read it. <laughs> now, being someone more more senior, senior in the field, I thought right. that he had already read it. But mm. he got information from another mentor. Mm. And it was secondhand information that was passed down that actually ended up helping both of us. It established right. trust between me and Marco. Yep. But I gave him the book because, you know, I looked up to him. I gave him the book. He paid me for it. He gave me like $5 extra. Mm -hmm. And I ended up rebuying the book. And so we were both able to learn from it just by that one conversation. Yeah. And we're still very close friends today. Yeah, I love that. I love the, the whole people aspect. The only issue is sometimes people are introverts. Sometimes <laughs> they don't necessarily want to be out there wheeling and dealing, networking, right? right? They kind of want to start by themselves. And honestly, I think I have one of the most underrated resources in cybersecurity. Let's hear it. You ready for it? <laughs> I think one of the most underrated resources in cybersecurity is honestly the posters, the cheat sheets, and the worksheets that SANS puts out absolutely for free. SANS has great cyber courses, some of the best in the business. But honestly, if you're looking for something that's like very low barrier to entry, something that just gets your feet wet in a given topic, those cheat sheets and those posters are money. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I saw the cyber threat intelligence poster. Number one, it's beautiful. Number two, <laughs> it really distills some of the most major components of threat intelligence. And it just puts it in a way that's easy to digest and also easy to explain. Mm. So we got to talk about it then. Yeah. You know, we got this new video component of the podcast. If you're not already aware of it, check out the podcast on YouTube. Even if you're not on YouTube, mm -hmm. we'll talk you through everything that we pull up. But we got to talk about the poster. Yeah, let's talk about the posters. Let's bring up the Building a Better Pentester poster. Obviously, you can see it's beautiful. It looks just like a blueprint. And it goes through pre-engagement, talks about reconnaissance, reporting, vulnerability analysis. And it gives the either the potential pen tester or even the pen tester is already doing the work just little tidbits of how do you become a better pen tester when it comes to doing your work. Looking for all the holes in a given application and a network, it really just gives you like a nice framework to not only have conversations, but actually do your work. Yeah, and you know what I like about this? And I've had uh, SANS posters that I take home from uh, SANS summits and conferences. I would mm -hmm. highly recommend it. And with this poster, you know, in the pre-engagement column, which is the first column on the poster, it tells you things that you can do before you start your pen testing engagement. You can discuss black box versus white box testing mm -hmm. before you even start your engagement. So your customer or client team knows like what they're going to expect at the outcome. Right. This is really good for just how to think about going about a pen test. I know if I were to start a pen test, I would I would definitely want a resource like this, whether I'm the pen tester or I'm the customer. 100%. And what's really cool about something like this is this is a initial mentor on a single sheet. Yeah. Because let's say you this is your first 
exposure to pen testing. You're like, oh, that looks cool. I want to learn about this thing. You can pull up this cheat sheet. This would be a masterclass of a mentorship session. If someone were to distill all this information for someone to kind of read through, a lot of this is going to be mistakes that people would make on their own by themselves. Right. So really looking at this as that initial mentor is another way to look at it. You know, since we're talking about mentors and looking at resources like a poster, I got to bring up my next resource because my next resource is also a little bit more technical. It's not just a person. It is this book called Learning Python. Mm. This book changed everything for me. It gave me the confidence. It gave me a little bit of swagger okay. when it comes to programming. Yeah. Because programming isn't easy for someone like me. I'm a very logical person. I like to think and reason and have very scientific-led conversations and debates in my mind and in person. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes to things like C++, when it yeah. comes to things like Java, those languages have always stumped me. Mm -hmm. I've never been able to master either of those. But when it comes to interpreter programming languages like Python, yep. it's almost like speaking English. Mm -hmm. It's almost like speaking English. It gives me the opportunity to really write the steps out that I'm trying to get my machine to do but without all of the nuance and esoteric knowledge that you would need from like touching the processor like you do with C++. What would you say your exposure to Python was before that? And then once you got through the book, like what would you say your ability got to after the book? Great question. When I first got started with programming, I could always make a calculator. Like mm -hmm. they always have yeah. you print out hello world when you right. first start. And then the second project is typically to build a calculator. Mm -hmm. That's always been easy because I understand math, but my initial knowledge was just being able to do that. After reading the book, I understood use cases. Mm. A use case is pulling a web page. Well, how do you want to pull it? Do you want to pull the HTML or do you want to pull information through an API? And the book started to give me some information about like how data works as well. A lot of times when you think of uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence, it's really a CSV at the end of the day. It's got mm. rows and columns. It's two-dimensional. But when you look at Python, it's the same thing. It's mm. you, You're using a data frame. It looks like a CSV. And ultimately, you're, you're able to manipulate information just so much easier with Python. Yeah. The one thing that I would say about books, especially technical books, I think someone that isn't used to learning from books would have a harder time trying to learn a programming language through a book. Yeah. Is there another resource like in that realm that you think that would be beneficial? Like, are there, I know you've done some Coursera courses, you've mm -hmm. even done some Udemy courses. Like, so are there any other courses or even YouTube videos that you would recommend? Yeah. I mean, Udemy, Udacity are both great resources as well when it comes to non-book learning. Mm -hmm. uh, but O'Reilly also has a ton of online learning. They have a, a portal where you can read the books online. You could take training online. That's free. It's virtual. And they even have these new types of environments mm -hmm. where you have a terminal and you can type in Linux commands. You can type in Windows commands to right. practice your, your bash and Windows scripting. Going back to uh, the SANS poster stuff, there's worksheets and there's also some cheat sheets and stuff in there. Uh, but let's go to one more poster, uh, which is the Purple Team Concepts poster. I think this is pretty cool because what this does is let's say someone is completely new to purple teaming. This not only gives you a little bit of the context about what purple teaming is, the role that the red and the blue side play, but it also gives you some of the stuff about the applications uh, that they use. 
I got to say, this poster is beautiful. It is. It's stunning. Yeah, it graphic design at its best. It looks great. So, yeah, so for instance, right now it's showing uh, some of the red side of the house. Uh, they're showing Bloodhound, Mimi Cats. It's giving an example of what it is, uh, some of the actions that you can take. So for Mimi Cats, dumping creds from uh, Elsass. What do you think is the biggest impact or piece of value it gives you? I think the biggest thing about posters like this or cheat sheets or diagrams is taking a lot of complex information and distilling mm -hmm. it down to something that's digestible in a single image yeah so those infographics there's like leaps and bounds of information that you can get from single infographics it tells a story without necessarily having to read all the context right when you have that additional visual component then you can say oh wow so this makes sense wow look at this compared to to that right if you're looking at a bar graph or even a pie chart so i think that's what's really cool about things like this is someone took a lot of time really distilled it down to its most basic components and made it available for folks. Right. We've been talking a little bit about books. We've been talking a little bit about posters. And I, we just talked uh, briefly about online learning as well. They are three different tools. Mm -hmm. And even people, people are not a whole different other tool. And you're going to use a tool based off of your needs. Yep. How would you categorize when is the right time to use a poster versus looking at a book versus looking at an online course? I would say a poster is good for two things. Is either good for initial exposure, right? You have nothing, you have no idea about this particular field, right? You wanna learn about threat intelligence, so you look at this poster, oh wow, so these are some of the main components. Let me dive deeper and then you can get into the book stuff. Or it could even be just a reminder. Sometimes you've been in a field for so long that you tend to forget the basics a little bit. You're just so off in Never Never Land fighting fires <laughs> that you're like, oh, of course, I forgot to go back to like the basic kill chain or I forgot to go back to the diamond model. So like using those things, uh, I think is very helpful once you're in uh, the field. When you would transition to something like a book, I mean, again, there's two things, uh, but you could do more deep work when you have a book. There's right. just more information that you can pull from. Way more. What about you? I, I like that. Uh, I, I think when you have a poster, it's great for inspiration as well. Mm -hmm. When a team, I, I loved when I worked in the office having like a team poster and a lot of times it would be from SANS. It would be on like security operations, mm -hmm. incident response. They have a great incident response poster as well. And I would use it more so as a source of inspiration to do the right thing. Yep. If I ever get lost, I know I have the poster, so I'll, I'm never lost mm -hmm. uh, with a book. I think books are almost like the government in my mind <laughs> because the rate at which information changes in the real world is very fast. Mm -hmm. But with a book, the author is making bets that it's going to be like the ideas that they're talking about are going to be around for a very long time. Right. That's the for the good and bad sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then with uh, online video, I think it's similar to a book where you can get a lot of learnings, a lot of information in a very short amount of time. But it's not as evergreen as a book. And mm -hmm. I think that's where online learning has been taking advantage of cybersecurity because in the best way, someone can go from not having any experience to being senior level in a year, two right. years, just by online learning and even in-person learning. Yeah, as long as they're putting in that work. You, you, yeah. <laughs> it's just not going to happen overnight. But I couldn't agree more. The, th the cool thing about a book is that Generally, when someone writes a book, they've spent 10, 
20, 30 years doing whatever it is that they do. And they're like, you know what? Now it's time to for me to distill that information down. Once again, it seems like this whole episode is really about the distillation of information right. to its most digestible chunks. When you can take someone's life experience and put it into something that you could read in a day, that's really powerful. I learned this from our good friend, uh, Jay Wood, Jonathan Wood, a uh, great sales guy. Uh, he's working for Microsoft now. And uh, one thing that he does is, Whenever anyone recommends a book to him, no matter what it is, he buys it. Mm. He just buys it because it's a very small investment. I mean, some books are expensive. I was just looking at some neuroscience books. They're like $300. <laughs> but when you get recommended like a regular book, it's $20. Yeah. You buy it. Even if you never read it, it's on the shelf. Maybe you want to come back to it at a later date. But like that distillation of, of information saves you time, saves you money, saves you a lot of headaches too. You know, we just did a, 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 an episode on chat GPT yep. and it reminds me of this because you have to do that for yourself as well. If mm -hmm. you go and read a book and you just walk away and the next day you, you wake up, you might not remember a lot of that information unless you took the time to write notes, mm -hmm. summarizing the information that you learn. And one thing we've always loved to say on the podcast is if you teach it, you get to learn it twice. Yep. So I think like especially when you're distilling information as a person you have to do that same thing that the author did in the book. You have to distill it for yourself through notes. Mm-hmm, 100%. We have some news to share with you, a member of the Hacker Valley Media family. As of 2023, we became a full-time independent cybersecurity media company, and we're committed to bringing you the most powerful, thought-provoking stories in the field of cybersecurity. And we learned we can't do it alone. We'd love to invite you to our exclusive Patreon community, where we host a monthly mastermind where you can meet like-minded individuals in the field of cybersecurity that are trying to be more creative and be the best version of themselves that they can be. We would love if you took a second and visited patreon.com forward slash Hacker Valley Studio, and we'll see you in the mastermind. One more thing I, I, we should probably show on here uh, about the sand stuff is uh, let's go to the Google cheat sheets because I'm sure there are people out there like, I, I get this high level stuff. Give me something that I can actually do. These cheat sheets are awesome. Uh, a lot of folks use these cheat sheets when they're going to go take different tests uh, for sands, but are, they're also good for work. Just remembering little, little things. One of the cool things about cybersecurity is we're given puzzles. Yeah. And when we're given puzzles, sometimes we have a lot of time, sometimes we have a little time to solve them. If we have a little time, sometimes we need to use something like a cheat sheet because if we're going through, we're trying to do some uh, Google analysis, sometimes we, we need to remember some of the search parameters. Sometimes we need a, a quick refresher on Boolean logic. So here on this cheat sheet that we're showing here, it shows operators, it shows the the finds, the, the pages. If you look at different search parameters, right? If you're looking for a certain file type, you can look for file extensions. Like I wanna look for PDFs that contain a certain information. Maybe I'm looking for a specific APT. Maybe I'm looking for a specific malware family. And I'm looking for PDFs that will give me additional information. Mm -hmm. Then you could take something like that. You could rip all the information out, out of the PDF and use that for your own purposes, for your own research. On the second page, you have more advanced operators. This is where I used to live in open source intelligence land. Uh, when you're looking for sites, uh, you're looking for specific links. Uh, things that are in the title, right? You want to say, mm -hmm. like, look for everything that's in title X, Y, and Z. I'm looking for Windows processes, right? Windows parent processes and the children that it can create, right? If you're looking for something specific like that, anything you really need to look for uh, when it comes to cybersecurity can be used with this, like, Google Sheet. 
I'm surprised to see this. I'm surprised to see this because I was going to bring up this as an example as well. <laughs> and this was one of the first lessons that I was ever given. One of the first formal lessons was on Google hacking. Mm. And it was by the pioneer of Google hacking. His name is Johnny Long. He wrote a book mm -hmm. uh, called Google hacking way back in the day. He's since moved to Africa and he's helping kids out yeah. with learning about computers and technology. And he wrote a whole book on this. Mm -hmm. And this kind of shows the distillation to take ideas from a book that's on Google Hacking and then to be able to put it in a cheat sheet is so cool. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm looking at this cheat sheet. I'm seeing that you can search pages based off of Google Cache. I did not know that. I did not know that you can yep. say, hey, instead of showing me all of the HackerValley.com pages, show me the cached versions of mm -hmm. HackerValley.com. I want to see HackerValley.com three months ago, not the, not the copy that's live on the website today. Exactly. Crazy. But Google operators, Google hacking, I think is the necessary step, necessary resource that everybody needs. 100%. If you have this, then think about the possibilities. I remember when I was first getting started in my career in cybersecurity, I would use this all the time. I would do uh, the Google operator in title yep. and I would look for PHP shells. Mm -hmm. Attackers would use PHP shells when I first got started and they would leave them and Google would crawl the internet and ultimately find these PHP shells. Mm -hmm. And then the, sometimes there would be an instance where you're looking for a file upload feature for any website. You're just spraying and praying as an attacker. Maybe you're fi trying to find some jump hosts doing a in title and looking for mm -hmm. file upload.php mm -hmm. is an opportunity that attackers might just automate to see like if I upload this PHP shell will right. I get backdoor access to your to your website mm -hmm. and I love the fact that you're bringing up that this is for everybody and it is one of these uh, concepts that I'm playing around with because my little girls uh, they're 14 8 and 3 but they all use the internet right? right they usually use it for entertainment but I was thinking how do I get my girls to utilize the internet in a much more like research like focused way because I do believe the more we use the internet as a society, the more co commercial entities are using the internet, the more we're gonna have to live our lives on the internet. With it, everything that just happened with the pandemic, a lot of folks went remote. Using the internet is becoming one of those skills that you just can't ignore. So using something like this, being able to navigate the internet is super, super important. So I'm gonna teach my girls how to use this yes. stuff, right? And before they go watch YouTube for fun, I'm gonna say, hey, before <laughs> you get this hour of YouTube for fun, you gotta use an hour to do research. Figure out the internet, figure out how to research a topic that you're interested in. The more fluent you are with the internet, the better you're gonna be adaptable to the things that changes through technology. They're no longer allowed to use the Google. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're no longer allowed to use a YouTube search bar. They could only use Google Hacks. The only, only <laughs> Google Hacks. Uh, one of the things I gotta talk about this, above and beyond cybersecurity, I think this is uh, a book that was super useful for me, was The One Thing. Mm. We all know, I love to do a lot of things and I get really, really busy and I have sometimes I have a hard time saying no. And this book is all about focus. It's all about figuring out that one thing that you're focused on for that hour, that one thing you're focused on for the day, the week, the month, the year, and really getting focused because people say you can multitask and multitasking is honestly a myth. You're just spreading your attention very trigger. thin. Yep, trigger. <laughs> yeah, you're spreading your attention very thin. You're having that residual context switching that you're having to deal with. If you're able to focus on that one thing, that's how you're going to show up as your 
possible best. I talked about saying no. Uh, in the book, I believe they gave the example of Steve Jobs. And when he came back in 1997, Apple had like 350 products. And when he came on board, he's like, nah, and dropped it down to 10. That's like <laughs> saying no and getting focused for your work. Right. When it comes to learning, you know, sometimes when we're trying to learn about a tax, then we're trying to switch over to learning about technology. Maybe we're trying to learn a programming language. What you need to do is you need to spend time with that tradecraft and focus on it. So if you're going to do coding, code from two to four, and then you can switch over to research from four to six. Don't try to go back and forth like, okay, I'm going to code for 30 seconds and I'm going to switch over, do some research, then I'm going to go answer this call, I'm going to do this ticket. That's not going to be conducive to learning. But uh, the one thing is by Gary Keller, and it, it really changed my, my life when it came to focusing on one thing at a time. And one other resource that I think pairs really well with the one thing is The Four Agreements by yeah. Don Miguel Ruiz. Right. I think if you are focusing on one thing, there's a lot of balance that you need in your life mm -hmm. because you're giving up a lot. So you're going to need to figure out ways to cope with doing doing more with less. Mm -hmm. uh, and The Four Agreements is really just about four different things. The first agreement is to be impeccable with your word. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do something and you say you're going to do it, then you have to do it. You have to at least give it your best shot. Right. And when you do that or when you don't do that, especially you're starting to devalue your own word and you're losing the concentration. You can't focus on that one thing. Right. The second agreement is to never take things personally. Mm. This is very hard. That's hard. This is very hard, especially when you're like Steve Jobs, you're coming in, you know, you know what's best for Apple right. and you say, we're going to cut 300 products down to 10. Yeah, You cannot take it personally how your employees feel, especially if it's in everyone's best interest and you're doing things in your best interest as well. The third agreement is to not make assumptions. Mm -hmm. Time and time again, especially in cybersecurity, we learn something and then we make an assumption that it's going to be the same for us when we take that new job, right. when we implement that new piece of technology. But, you know, that you can't just assume that things are going to go as planned and you can't make assumptions in general if you want to be happy and successful. Mm -hmm. The fourth agreement, which is my favorite one, is always do your best. Mm. When you always do your best, maybe things don't go as planned, but at least you could be proud of the work that you put in. Yeah. Of those, it sounds like doing your best is like the easiest one you, for you <laughs> to like just solidify in your mind. Of those four, which one is the most difficult for you? Being impeccable with your word. Mm. That's why I think it's the first agreement. Being impeccable with your word. How many times have we said, I'm going to go to the gym right. January 1st mm -hmm. and January 1st comes and goes. Maybe you hit the gym that that first day, but your real goal was to go every day. Right. To do something with discipline is very difficult and it takes a habit to perform a discipline. Like you mm -hmm. have to be able to remember to go to the gym and then to remember to get your heart rate up like you wanted to because you want to lose weight or right. get in shape. Mm -hmm. So being impeccable, I think is the absolute hardest thing. 100%. And it reminds me of something that Jocko talks about is that he doesn't use motivation. Motivation comes and goes. Some mm -hmm. days you're feeling motivated, you feel pumped up. You're like, yeah, playing your music. I'm like, I'm ready to rock. And some days you're not. Some days the, the kids are screaming, they're breaking stuff. Sometimes uh, your car breaks down. That motivation is going to go away. Mm -hmm. But discipline, discipline is going to keep you on that train. Whether you, wanna, you want to or not, you're going to the gym because you're disciplined to do it. Whether or not you uh, show up to that birthday party 
uh, is not a, a factor because you're disciplined. You say, hey, my word is my bond and I'm going to do it. So I think you're right about that. <laughs> Scarface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what is that one resource? We talked about a lot. Yep. What's that one resource that you would recommend for any of our listeners to take on first out of everything we spoke about? I would say that. Can I do two? Let's do two. I'll do two. So, and I'll, I'll do broad categories just because I, I feel so strongly about these two. We talked about books because you have people that spend their entire lives doing a thing and then they write a book about it. Mm -hmm. Whenever someone recommends a book, I mean, why not grab it? Why not grab it even if you don't read it? But if you do read it, you're still digesting someone's life work in a very short amount of time. So there's a lot of return on that. And then honestly, podcasts. Podcasts are a great resource. You can, you know, split, you know, attention a little bit. You could be cleaning the house, listening to a podcast. Mm -hmm. It's a little easier to multitask. I'm doing air quotes for <laughs> everyone that's listening. It'll enable you to multitask, but it's the same thing because when you have someone, especially if they're they're doing uh, interview podcasts like we do from time to time, they're talking to an expert about a certain thing that they've spent their entire life. Now you're taking something, a book that's uh, a little bit of a commitment, eight to 20 hours or so and now you're distilling it down into 30 minutes to mm -hmm. an hour so those are easy ways to get uh, exposure to new things to ex get exposure to different subjects and i would say books is the way to go deep on something that is great advice and i would highly recommend anyone that's listening to to take that on because just imagine Coming to Hacker Valley Studio, for example, we have <laughs> authors come on and not only do they summarize the book, but they give us the best parts of the book. That's what they want to talk about when they go on the podcast circuit is the best parts. Right. So a podcast is a great place to try out a book before buying it even mm -hmm. if you want it. 100 percent. All these cool resources are going to be down in the show notes below. If you're listening, they're there. If you're watching on YouTube, they're there as well. And with that, we will see everyone next time.